How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. And you know what I you know what I just realized, Billy? When I was going back and listening through to last week's episode before this, I think I forgot to say podcast. I think I just said, welcome to the 30-Minute Misconduct or welcome to the 30-Minute or something really ridiculous sounding. So let me go ahead and say welcome to the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. That's the whole name of the podcast where we continue to have uh, some good news and, and some good uh, good tilts and some wins to talk about. But uh, before we get into all that, I guess I should make sure that you're done uh, adjusting your uh, your freaking fantasy football lineup over there. Yeah, I've had a rough day today in fantasy. Let me pull up my stats so I can let the listeners know just how bad of a day this was. So you can expose yourself? You can expose yourself as a terrible fantasy football player? I definitely don't claim to be this big football fan or really know anything at all about football, but my family every year begs me to play fantasy. So I oblige just to be a family man. But Are they taking your money also? This is just for pride. There's no money involved. Oh, well, that's good at least because that would be really messed up to pick on the <laughs> on the guy that doesn't know anything about football. Be like, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a $50 buy-in, Billy. It's interesting because I started off last season really poorly. I didn't understand how the draft process worked. And then this season, I thought I had a pretty good draft. I won my first game, and I got all excited. I changed my fantasy name to NFL Insider, and I changed my picture to be the one of me and Chris Collinsworth. I thought that really brought some legitimacy to my fantasy football profile. But on today's game, I didn't realize that Robinson the second wasn't playing today, so he got zero points for me. Gronk is out tonight, so he's going to get zero points for me. Beathard, Bethard, whatever the quarterback's name is for San Francisco – he didn't play today. He got zero. So I projected 65.73 points. And my opponent, who's already done, has 155.86. So there's literally no hope at all for this week. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. Let me ask you this, though. What are you more proud of? Are you more proud of your fantasy football presence or your Bumble presence? <laughs> Maybe you should just roll with the Chris Collinsworth photo for both. Who knows? I guess the ladies might love Chris Collinsworth. Who knows? I really don't even have a presence on Bumble right now. I'm just rolling with Hinge. Uh-oh. It's all, it's all Hinge. It's all... Are you doing too much hinging to uh, to compete at fantasy football? I don't really know what it is, but I just know that I'm struggling at both. I'm struggling with both apps. I can't, I can't figure out either <laughs> app. Oh, no. Well, who's not struggling as I uh, smoothly segue into uh, talking about what this podcast is it's usually about in the first place in the Dallas Stars, they are certainly not struggling. Three in a row on the road, uh, three in a row over some some good clubs um, with wins over Toronto and, and Washington uh, since the last time we talked to you guys here on the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. Uh, the first overtime game, uh, the season Saturday in the, in the 4-3 overtime win against Washington, so much depth scoring, so much excitement, so much success. The boys are eight and five after being uh, five and five, and and looking like the world might end. So man, there's there's a lot to get into. So I don't know where you want to start, but but there's certainly plenty of uh, certainly plenty of storylines floating around with uh, with the stars as of late. All it took was a humiliating loss against the worst team in the league, being the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday, to spark this heroic road effort and the addition of Dorothy Montgomery. I think she is the catalyst for this road trip. <laughs> yes, and and another catalyst is Jamie Benn, who apparently is a listener. As you, as you said, he listens to you berate him on a bi-weekly basis. He listens to the podcast and he follows me on Twitter. 
I guess someone on the bench was reading him my tweets in between these games and during practices and whatnot, and he probably printed them out and put them up on his locker to get prepared for Thursday's game because he's now scored in back-to-back games. But we're still waiting on old Tyler Sagan to return to the goal-scoring sheet. Yeah, it seems like he's been a little snake bit, maybe. I mean, he's had his opportunities. He's had some some unlucky, um, I don't know if, if you want to call him unlucky or not, but but some shots that could have gone in, some saves that, that were pretty big, and, and a lot of things. Um, a lot of things have to go right to score in this league. Uh, it's it's Even for guys like Tyler Sagan, you still have to have some things go right, and, and when they're not, sometimes it feels like it can pile up. But it's... it's uh, it's not a worry for me, I guess, right now, and, and it's easier to say that when you've won three in a row than when you've lost three in a row, but it doesn't feel like, I mean, with Tyler Sagan, it almost never feels like he's he's not scoring because he's not putting himself in a position to score, if that makes sense. It feels like he's always he, on the verge. Oh, look at last night. He had a lot of chances yeah. last night. He had a penalty shot in overtime that he couldn't get. So the chances are coming. He just needs to find a way to convert on them. And even Jim Montgomery said that he's not worried at all. And as long as everybody else is holding up their end of the deal and they're still finding ways to score and helping this road trip out to where they've now won three in a row, I don't think anybody's really that concerned about Sagan's production. Yeah, and and speaking of finding ways to score, I was actually I was in Canton uh, last night attending the first Monday uh, first Monday trade days with uh, my girlfriend and my mom. A uh, ton of fun. I love antiquing anything that uh, anything old or or uh, potentially uh, I don't want to say valuable. That's not my deal, but but just little things that you can find out there. I, I don't know how many of you guys actually go to Canton or if that's something that you know not a lot of people even do anymore. There are a lot of freaking people out there this weekend though. But long story short is that I wasn't able to watch the game because I was actually staying in and basically a cabin or, or kind of a bunkhouse type scenario where you know no TV, no internet, no no nothing. So. Um, but you stayed in Can- like you lived there in Canton. How did that work out? Well, I mean, it, it wasn't in actual Canton. It was actually, I believe, technically in Wills Point, which is a town I don't know, twenty minutes or so outside of Canton. Um, but it was a it was an Airbnb, I think, that my mom found. And and there's a bigger house and then a a smaller um, kind of like bunkhouse, like where we stepped in. I it, man, it it's it's could have been a shed as far as I know at one point, but it's really nicely done and, and, uh, renovated. And it was, it was really nice, but you'd have hated it because, uh, I mean, literally like, like 10 yards outside our door was the bigger house. And there were people staying in that house too. Uh, strangers, people we didn't know you'd have, you would have never done it. You would have been completely not about it. I didn't realize you guys take this Canton days, trade days thing so seriously. Yeah, I mean, we, man, it's been a really long time since I went. We used to go a lot when I was younger. Um, and then, you know, you get into high school and, and all that kind of stuff. And then college, you go away. And then, you know, obviously I lived in Boston for almost two years. So that wasn't happening. So it's been a while, but it's it's something that we used to do a ton and something that I really like to do. I'm a, hey, I'm an antiquer at heart, man. Don't judge. So, so you're ripping me for missing last night's game because I went to a Rick Springfield, Loverboy, Tommy Two-Tone, and Greg Kin concert, and you're telling me that you missed last night's game because you went to Canton Trade Days, and that's an okay comparison to my concert? I wasn't ripping you for missing. It's fine. It's fine. You can go see uh, some 8675309 if you want to. I'm sure, that was a, I'm sure that was a hit on the night. Tommy Two-Tone's got a tough... It's amazing to me. I was talking to my mom last night about this, who I went to the concert with. Not to be embarrassed at all about going to a Rick Springfield concert with your mom. There's nothing embarrassing about that. But 
we were talking about how it's crazy how these guys create an entire career around one song. I didn't know any of the other songs Tommy Two Tone played besides eight six seven five three oh nine. And here he is, however many years later, making money off of this. And then Rick Springfield obviously was a full out show. I knew a lot of his songs. You got Jesse's Girl, Affair of the Heart, so many other classic hits. And that guy is sixty nine years old. We talk about here how I'm a huge KISS fan. Those guys are kinda struggling with their old age. But Rick Springfield is sixty nine years old and he was moving around like he's fifty. And I can't even get out of bed, and I'm 24. I don't know how these guys do it in the, at this late stage in life. It's so hard to get out of bed when you're down 100 points in fantasy football, and your hinge and your bumbles and your coffee bagels aren't working out. and You pick up your phone, and you're looking, and you see you've got 60 fantasy points and zero messages in your hinge account. It's a tough way to get a, gig, a day going. It's a tough thing to do, but... Yeah, no judgment for me for going to see old Tommy Two-Tone. I don't know, man. And, and as far as him having one song, you were still there, right? You were still you still paid. So it, it may have been for Rick Springfield, but he's still uh, he's still tagging along. So, hey. It was cool. It was four and a half hours of classic rock. The That's biggest crowd time. favorite was Loverboy. People That's a loved long Loverboy. Time. That's it all I'm going to say. Time. That's a long time. But they broke it up nicely. Anyway, I... I was following along with the score last night, and I did. Put, I was trying to get Fox Sports Go fired up for overtime, and then when I got it loaded, they were in victory formation. <laughs> I was trying to do that. With, if you guys will uh, remember, long-time listeners, even though we only have like a dozen episodes, long-time listeners will remember when I missed a game for a Taylor Swift concert, and, and that was my go-to move, too, was trying to get Fox Sports Go uh, fired up. But you get those masses of humanity going, man, and you just can't even get your phone to work. Like... Canton, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. It was so many people, such a massive humanity, but you would still think that, like, your, in this day and age, you still think your phone would work. But when people gather like that, like, I was having trouble literally, like, sending text at the the fairgrounds. It, the fairgrounds is probably the wrong word. But at, you know, at trade days where where the uh, where all the stuff is set up. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough night for me, but I sacrificed my game viewing experience and caught the highlights. And, and that's kind of where... You know, I wanted to go with with last night was, for me, you you go back and look at all four goals that were scored, and I think all four were so emblematic of what Jim Montgomery wants to do and how he wants this team to play. Because, you know, we were talking about this before, and, and you said that, you know, Washington made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of them were really ugly from their perspective. You you see the Holtby goal... Um, I mean, I, I call it the Holtby goal. It was the Pitlick goal, but because Holtby tried to send it around the glass right into Pitlick and he collected it and put it in the back of the net. You see Stars players jumping really bad passes that, you know, Ovechkin lets go through for no reason. Like, they were certainly mistakes, but when you play like Jim Montgomery wants you to and you play aggressively, you jump on those mistakes and you convert them, and that's how you start to bury teams. And you look at the Stars going up 2 nothing yesterday on, you know, a breakaway and then that, that Pitlick goal that I mentioned where Holtby you know, was behind the net, couldn't make a decision, sent it right into Pitlick and then gave the goal up. Like, that's how you bury teams. You know, even when you don't have it, especially on the road, whether you have it or not, games can change, you know, that fast just because you're playing aggressively, you're playing up top in your own, you know, in your defensive zone and and you're ready to go and, and jump on a mistake at a moment's notice. And I thought the Stars did that basically all night. I foreshadowed this on Tuesday's or on Wednesday's episode after Tuesday night's game, how... The game against Montreal, it wasn't the best performance, and especially in the first period, they got outplayed by Montreal. But when you start getting those bounces and you start creating turnovers and breakaways like the Spezza goal last night, 
those kinds of things give you so much confidence because you can realize that even if you're not playing at your best, you can still win a game. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mentioned the the Spezza breakaway and the Pitlick goal, but then, you know, even the other goals, I thought Val who who had a really good night overall, um, you know, in setting up that Jamie Ben goal, you know, he was he was working behind the net. He was throwing his body around, which is something I really like to see him do when he's going well cuz he has that size. He's like 6'4". He's he's got that size to be able to throw it around a little bit and mix it up, especially, you know, in the tough areas like behind the net. He did. He eventually gets possession. Great, you know, no look backhand pass to Spezza, who you know tic tac toe right to Ben, and it's you know it's a tap in essentially for Jamie Ben, who you know he's not going to miss that one, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred. So even that goal, and then in overtime, Dickinson, you know, it was another you know questionable pass and and not a great play from Washington, but he's there to jump on it, and then he goes and converts it, and that wins him the hockey game. So it's it's just more of you know, kind of seeing that style of, of quickness and speed and trying to jump teams in transition and being aggressive and, and not being afraid to go make a play. You know what I mean? You can't be afraid to go make a play. And and I think that Val especially, like when, when you want to get that creative and you're feeling that good and you're going to throw it between your legs and pass it to where you know the guy, like those are plays that you can't be afraid to go make and, and the Stars finally are starting to make some of those and it's resulted, like I said, in, in three wins in a row. That's my biggest frustration with Val is the fact that he plays so afraid. He's afraid to make plays. He t- he makes a lot of passes rather than taking it himself. I mean, how often do you see Val Nichushkin take a slap shot? That never happens. But we might be starting to see more of a confident Val, and I think that the Stars themselves are starting to have more confidence. I think we talked about before how his on-ice time was like seven minutes, right? I mean, like in the beginning of the season, he was only playing like seven minutes a night and now I was looking at the last two games, and not a lot. He's up to 11. It's nothing near the 27 minutes that those other defensemen are playing. But as he starts to develop more confidence and make plays like he made last night, he's probably going to get that ice time that he desperately wanted before he went off to Russia. And if he just starts being more aggressive and making plays himself and actually taking some shots rather than trying to set up a passing play for somebody else, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more out of Val. Yeah, and well, you mentioned taking shots, and, and I don't even look for that when I watch Val play. The The sign to me, and I think I tweeted as much, maybe during the Toronto game, the sign that Val is going well for me is he'll take, he'll have the puck, and it looks like he's literally like bungee corded to the opposing goalpost or something. Like when Val is at his best, it's like a heat seeker, straight to the crease, straight to the front of the, front of the net. He's using his size. He's getting leverage, and he's carrying the puck to the front of the net and trying to score one of those classic. You know, if you remember right when he came over, right after he was drafted, that was the Val goal, and there's a reason for that because that's how he's most effective. He's powerful, he's big, he gets to the front of the net, and, and he finds a way to put it home. So, you know, I, I think he obviously has a shot. I mean, he's a first-round talent, so of course he's got a, a you know somewhat of a shot too. But at the same time, I think he really gets going good when – you know, he's he's kind of got that, that heat-seeker mindset, and I'm going to the front of the net, I'm taking this puck with me, and I'm going to find a way, you know, hell or high water to uh, to put it in the back of the net. So I guess, you know, the, the other big thing from this road trip now is, I don't remember if it was, you know, one episode ago or two, but, you know, when, when we were talking about them going on this long road trip, the the one thing that stood out to me and the thing that I said is that when you go, especially on a road trip this long, you want to go 500, Right. So having gone on this run now and and taking care of these teams that a lot of people, I mean, you could ask any Stars fan, I don't think anybody would have predicted that you go 3-0 and over this stretch, 
but they did. And now heading into the back-to-back, arguably the toughest part of the road trip, just because you have to play two nights in a row, end of a long road trip. You know, you start with Boston. That's a tough, that's a tough ask. And now, even if they drop both games, you know, they, they've gone 500 on the road trip, which is exactly where I said that, that I wanted them to be coming back home. Even with that said, I'm not that worried about the back-to-back because I believe you've got Hudobin going tomorrow night in Boston. He had a great game on Thursday, yeah. and he's going to be even more inspired now to play his former team in Boston. That's going to be a big night for him. And then you'll have your starter back in on Tuesday against Columbus, right? They head to Columbus on Tuesday. Yeah. It's so interesting watching Hudobin play because there's such a there's such a contrast. I mean, there's a lot of contrast between a guy like Ben Bishop, who's six one million, um, and a lot of the goalies in the league, but especially with a guy like Hudobin, like there's such a contrast between the way that they have to play goaltender. Like it's it's just it's so different. Ben Bishop is so big, so poised, you know, has so much more reach. Um, uses his size as an abnormally large human being. And then you have Hudobin, who's not even six feet tall. And and you have to play so differently. You have to move. You have to be... He looks like... He looks out of control sometimes. Or, or like he's just going insane. It's so chaotic. But it has to be that way because he's because of his size. But when he gets it going, man, he's... Man, he's he's still pretty good. He still obviously can be very productive. And, and like you mentioned Thursday, he was... He was really, really good. I, I mean, it was it was Anton Hudobin two, <laughs> um, you know, Toronto one, and in, in that one for sure. He's kind of funny to watch. He reminds me of Tim Thomas and maybe even Marty Turco, where it's not like a hundred percent, you know, typical hockey style where he's like just doing whatever it takes to make the save. Like that big save he had in the final seconds in Toronto, he was like completely laid out flat across the ice, stretching across the ice, and he had his glove out. Yeah. It didn't look it didn't look comfortable and it didn't look like it was natural for a goal. He almost to be doing never that. looks natural. That's what I'm saying. Like even when he's going that well, like you got the feeling Thursday that that he was stopping pretty much everything they threw at him. But he never looks natural or comfortable, which is what is what I meant when I said like it's so much different than Ben Bishop because no matter what the score is, pretty much, you know, most of the time when Ben Bishop is even, you know, halfway as good as he can be, he's so poised and he's so calm and there's not a lot of movement because he's so big and, you know, he's he's very precise and, and then you get Hood open in there just like flailing around and kicking pucks like over to the corner and toe save and a beauty and just going insane and, and it's 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 funny to watch and it's it's good to watch when it's when it's working like that. Whatever works for him, I guess we'll take it. But Bishop did have a couple of tough goals last night that he allowed where he wasn't hugging the post enough. Yeah. So that was a little bit tough, but who cares? They won. Yeah, there were some good shots too, especially, you know, I I saw on Reddit today there was a thread where, you know, it was a newer fan and, and talking about how two of the goals went over his shoulder and, you know, is that kind of normal or is that something you should be concerned about? And, you know, it's Ben Bishop is the is the kind of goalie where I'm almost never concerned about a bad night anyway because I think he's just still extremely good and and still you know very capable pretty much night in and night out. But you know, even being six seven, sometimes guys just beat you. You know, and and yeah, was he was he out of position? You know, most likely, uh, I don't think that he would tell you that he was in perfect position for some of those. But at the same time, sometimes a perfect shot still beats. You know being in position 90%. You know, sometimes, you know, if you're a goalie, you're in position 90% of the way, that's good enough, but then you get beat by, I mean, these guys are NHL players with, with you know, pretty pretty good shots, 
you know, sometimes perfect shots and, and there's not a lot you can do anyway. But man, and encouraging results overall. And, and like I said, it sets up a back to back where I don't want to say you don't care about what happens because obviously you want to, you know, you want to win as many games as possible, especially on a long road trip. But, you know, even if they go 0 and 2, you know, the next two games, you know, you're still above 500. You're 8 and 6. That's a great place to be coming home from the season's longest road trip. This is selfish of me, but I'll bring a little bit of road trip talk into this one because I'm starting to get worried thinking that if they win these next two, the next road games after that are my New York trip in Brooklyn and Manhattan. There is no way this team is going to win these five in a row and then win six and seven in a row on the road. So I'm thinking... Especially with you in attendance. Especially with you in attendance. You are the worst road fan. You're the worst. And poor Graham. Poor Graham's looking at this road trip. He was in Detroit, our, our friend Graham was in Detroit on Sunday, and he also has a terrible road record. And now he's looking at the next three being wins. So I'm thinking, man, if they if they win these next two games, I am not seeing two wins in New York. I may it's not like even the see old, a win. It's like the old bad radio curse. Whenever, because bad radio takes a trip with the Stars, you know, once a year. And it, they used to literally never win when bad radio was on the road with them. And it feels like that with you and Graham. And, and it's been to the point before where I've wanted to ban you from even taking trips. Like, no, sorry. You just, you don't get to go watch the stars on the road anymore because I just know that they're going to lose. And I did see also an interaction you had, gosh, I don't remember her name, um, but I saw on Twitter. Sarah the intern. Yes. Yes. She's like <laughs> two and so oh, memorable. Two and oh in, in two games, right? Or something stupid Man, like that. Man, that, that grinds my gears more than anything. I see these fans that have been on like a handful of trips and they're like, yeah, I've seen the Stars win every time. And here I am. I've been to 10 road games. My record is 2-6-2. Two, and two. Even if I win out in New York and get two wins, I'm still looking at 4-6-2, and two, a terrible record. That's terrible. You want to get 50% of your points on the road, Billy, and you are far, far under that. Far and under e- that. These aren't even like you know, close losses where you can think, well, you know, we almost had it. These are the kind of games where it's the home team's best game of the season, six goals, the fans are going nuts. Like Philadelphia two years ago where the Stars were up 2-1 to one, and then 2-2 two to two, and then a hat trip goal to make it 3-2. to two. We're just sitting there, hats are raining on us. The best game of the season for those Flyers fans. It's not easy for us when we head out on the road. It's usually pretty rough. Our last time in New York, it was in... Against the Islanders, it was a six to five loss, and then the Rangers was a six to two loss. So anything below six on this upcoming road trip is going to be a success for us. Man, I don't know what it's like because I never, uh, man, I'm not sure I've ever. Tra- I know for a fact I've never traveled to see the Stars. But you the went to the game yeah, in when Boston. I, when I lived in Boston, I saw them play the Bruins um, in late March. I think that was a win. I don't even remember my own road record. I'm pretty sure they no, won. No, you lost. It was. Did it was like lose? a two. It was uh maybe I blocked actually, it out of no. my memory. I think it was a I think the Stars might have won two nothing and then I was feeling bad for you because you didn't get to hear the Bruins goal horn as a part of your road trip experience. Yeah, I can't remember, but in any case, my road record or maybe, might be maybe, percentage wise better than yours. I don't even know. Hang on. I think I mean I can look it up, but it really doesn't matter. But I think you might have gotten shut out and you didn't get to celebrate a single stars goal. Let me see. We might we might need to clarify this. I can Google but, it right now. I can do some I can do some quick Google foo and see if I can even figure that out. No, Google, I, I don't count, want the game tomorrow. I only count games that I've physically flown to or driven to in my road record. When I lived in Florida, I did see the Stars play a couple times, and one in particular sticks out 
I was sitting there like three rows off the glass, and Ole Okunin for the Panthers had his overtime goal winner right there in front of us. So that's another Stars Road loss that I can add, which I'm not going to add to my total, my official total. But I've just seen so many Stars losses over my years on the road. Man, I don't even know. I can't even find this game. But in any case, we probably need to move along anyway and get to our... uh, Man, we missed them last week because we didn't have a Sunday episode, but it's time for weekly awards, man. So to remind you guys, uh, since we did not have a Sunday episode last week, each one of us will always pick uh, one MVP. Does not have to be a player. Does not have to be even related to, you know, the players on the ice. Could be fans. Could be management. Could be coaching. Could be the Washington Capitals for playing like crap and giving us so many turnovers. Could be anything we want. So each of us will have an MVP. And then, you know, we may or may not have some other funny awards. There's no set schedule. Um, but we can uh, we can get into uh, handing out some other awards that may not even relate to hockey, as you'll see. Because I have one tonight. Does not even relate to hockey. But... Um, I guess we can start with uh, Billy. I'll let you go first and uh, let you get uh, get on the board first with your MVP pick for the week. It's not hard for me to come up with this one. Of course, it's going to be Dorothy Montgomery. <laughs> like you said, it doesn't have to be a player. It doesn't have to be anybody involved on the ice. But Dorothy Montgomery, her presence in Montreal on Tuesday night, the mother of Stars head coach Jim Montgomery was in the crowd. She got interviewed during one of the intermissions or during the game or whatnot, she was talking about how nervous she was and how she's so excited for Jim and how this doesn't seem real. She was so happy, just kind of like how Jim Montgomery has had that like high school coach feel where this is all so new to him. He still loves being here. It's all fresh. He's not a, He hasn't been a coach in this league for 30 years, and he's tired of it. It's still so new and fun to him. And I think she had a huge presence she probably didn't, but I think she had a huge presence in Tuesday's win, which of course then sparked these next three wins or next two wins on the road, three wins in a row on the road. I'm going to give my MVP of the week to Dorothy Montgomery. All right, let me go on the record quickly and say that you were correct. I believe the stars for the game I was at March 30th, 2017 in Boston were shut out. Two to nothing by the Boston Bruins. So you're right. I got. To I knew the, there was a two, and yeah. I knew there was a zero. I, got to, I just I, wasn't sure who had it. I got to hear the Bruins goal horn. Did not get to celebrate a uh, a Dallas Stars goal uh, in the hub of the universe, but I celebrated many on my couch uh, watching on my laptop because I could not get the games on TV up there. But uh, I, that was the only time I've ever paid for for that much uh, that much sports. I paid for the NHL TV season. Uh, pass for a single team or whatever but in any case you're right I saw a loss so your road record's still better than mine even if you want to discount my game or whatever but getting into my MVP award um, man there's there's so many so many ways we could go with this you could give it to Anton Hudobin uh, for that performance on Thursday uh, you could give it to uh, Jamie Benn for for a little bit of a resurgence you should give it to or you could give it to Val Nachushkin for um, what I thought was a great game. You give it to Jason Dickinson, who I think has just been great overall lately. But instead of giving it to any one person, the award this week for me, the MVP of the week, is going to go to the process. Hashtag the process. Because it's it's something that we're finally, I think, starting to see the fruits of Jim Montgomery's labor reveal themselves a little bit. Because he's come in here... You know, with, with a very clear vision for what he wants his team to be. He has the actual process, which is the list of things that he wants to see the team do every game to win the hockey game. You know, it's it's ten things, I believe. You you do seven or eight, you probably almost always win the hockey game. You do five or six, you give yourself a chance. Whatever his strategy is, but he's got the process. He's got the mentality that he wants the team to play with. He's got the system. And even when things were down, 
he continued to say, just stick with us, just stick with us, just stick with us. It's going to get there. It's going to happen. The results are going to come. And and this this three-game winning streak by no means means that the Stars are going to be, you know, they're on pace for like 101 points. It doesn't mean they're going to go get 101 points. It doesn't mean they're automatically on pace for that. This is going to happen. They're winning three out of every five from here on out. But at the same time, I think you're finally seeing, you know, some of that stuff pay off. I think you're, you've seen this team buy into the process and, and the way Montgomery wants to play all season long. And you're finally seeing the fruits of that. And you're finally seeing them see some of the results. And you can see how it can snowball. You know, you, you believe in something, you buy in, you try it, you lose. But then you start to pick up some wins. You start to go, you know, hey, we're on a two-game winning streak and we lost. Okay, fine. Hey, we got three in a row on the road over some good teams. You know, this thing's going somewhere and, and this thing is getting some results. And, and the thing that we're buying into actually works. So my MVP for the week... Hashtag the process, baby. Let's go. I like that selection. Do you have... Yeah. But the process is five things, I believe. It's not ten things. It's only five. Is it... it, Okay, well, maybe I came up with my own ten for an article I was thinking about or something and and just let that fly to the wayside. The Raglan process. With with any number... Yeah, the Raglan process. Get Dorothy in the building is number one on the Raglan process. (laughs) We are... (laughs) We are always uh, we're always winning when Dorothy Montgomery's in the building. But I guess I'll I'll kick it back to you to see. Do you have any other awards that you'd like to hand out this week before I hand out my last award of the week? The only player that I could think of in particular that I loved this week was Hudobin. I, ta- I already talked about how great his play was on Thursday, and I think he's going to have another big game tomorrow night in Beantown. So I would give him an award. Um. That's pretty much it for me. I can't think of anybody else that deserves a award. Jason Dickinson, you know, he had a great week, and he got the OT winner last night. Well, I'm going to hand out my last award of the week then. It was something that we were talking about prior to this podcast. Um, Non-hockey related, besides it being hockey season, it's the Cease and Desist Award. And I'm going to hand it out to anybody that has their Christmas lights up before November 1st. You have to stop. You have to stop. You have to stop doing this. We have to stop this menace to our society. It's it's unreal the amount of blow-ups and inflatables and Christmas lights that I've already seen running around. It's like Thanksgiving doesn't exist, and now we're already even backing it up to make it where Halloween doesn't even exist. I love Christmas as much as the next guy. I love the holidays. It's fantastic. The weather's cold. Maybe we get iced over because it doesn't snow down here. We all know that. Maybe we get iced over. It's great. Snowmen, inflatables, Christmas lights. I get it all. I want it all. But can we at least, can we wait until November? So the cease and desist award, anybody that had any sort of Christmas decoration up before November, you have to stop. And if I catch you, oh, oh, I can't handle it, Billy. I can't handle it. it. It's not really people that's the problem. It's these corporations. When I was driving home from work the other night, it was still October. I think I passed by three Christmas trees in front of shopping plazas. And like you said, I'm a huge Christmas fan myself, but... When a Christmas tree is put up in front of a mall on October 31st, that is not because they love the Christmas season, they want to spread Christmas cheer, it's because they are greedy, and they want you to start spending your holiday money, and they want you to go out and get your Christmas shopping done out of the way early. There's no good intentions behind it. It's all evil corporations. It's unbelievable. I think that this year, I've noticed more than any other year, like, as soon as the clock hit midnight, October 31st, even those that the, that waited through Halloween and, and paid Halloween's due respect, it was like the clock struck midnight, you know, Cinderella transformed back, and then, like, 
boom, it was Christmas time. There were, there were holiday music stations. There were ads on TV. There were decorations outside the damn Bed Bath & Beyond. There's Christmas trees going up. The lights are going up. It's unbelievable, dude. It's, it's unbelievable. And I may be biased because my mom's favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. You know, we, we get our Christmas decorations up usually right after Thanksgiving, but, but not normally much before just because, you know, she's a huge believer in that holiday and, and everything that it brings. And, and it's very sad to see it overlooked, but so maybe it's my, my personal raglan bias, but at the same time, man, it, it seems like every, 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 every year it, it gets crazier and crazier and more out of hand with just Christmas. So in your face, we're going to be in like the the same Christmas in July is going to eventually come true and we're just going to have like some idiocracy style post-apocalyptic world where freaking Santa Claus is coming to town is playing on a loop while we all eat our freaking drink our eggnog and sit around Christmas trees in in March. It's going to be insane, but hopefully we know. <laughs> you want a segment out the you want a segment right? out the Right? That's holidays. what I'm saying. Like, like Thanksgiving's a great I, I, holiday. Leave it alone. I feel bad my new tradition is putting up Christmas decorations on Black Friday. And I thought that was bad because it's still November. Can you imagine if the stars started doing their Christmas intro video in November? Like, just to really get things going early? It might it happen. Makes no Who sense. even knows? Who even knows at this point? The world's Even ending. today, I was, out, I was out shopping today and I saw, get your Black Friday preview. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We're, it's a month away. Yeah. Come on, people. It's unbelievable. Well, with that, I guess I'll give it up for now. Um, but the cease and desist award does go to you people out there. You know who you are. You got Christmas stuff already. I see you. I'm watching. And you will be presented with this award. I don't know when. I don't know how. We'll swing by the practice facility to give out the other awards. The process will get its metaphorical award. Maybe Monty can hang that one on the wall uh, or something of that nature. Who knows? But uh, those are our weekly awards. That's our discussion of the Stars 3-0. and um, You know, middle, middle of this road trip, I guess. And, and uh Coming up, we've talked about it already. They'll have Boston Monday and, and Columbus Tuesday, both on the road, back-to-back. Um, so Wednesday's episode, we'll have two more games to talk about uh, before another home game, the first one in a while with the six-game road trip on on Thursday. So thanks for hanging in there. Um, thanks for uh, listening to the 30-Minute Misconduct Podcast. Uh, give this a like. <laughs> give this a retweet if you also hate early Christmas decorations. Uh, because I'm very passionate about this, if you couldn't tell. Uh, give it a retweet if you like Canton. Uh, pour one out for old Tommy Two-Tone. We will talk to you guys again on Wednesday after the Stars back-to-back. You guys take care.